Good evening, everyone. Shall we stand, if you would, please? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's ask the Lord to help us in this service tonight. Lord, we're grateful for your presence throughout this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come and worship again this evening. Bless each one that has made an effort to come out on this rainy night. And I pray that your will would be done in this service. Get honor and glory to everything that's said, everything that's sung, everything that's accomplished, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you tonight. I trust you've come ready to sing and uh, trust you've come with a testimony on your heart to share. God has been good and I'm sure he has answered prayers for you this week as he has for us and we give him the praise and the honor tonight. Now, we're going to do something just a little bit different and uh, I'm not... I don't think it should be too hard on our musicians, uh, but we're going to sing a few songs from our Christmas book that are maybe not quite as familiar as some that we use otherwise. I tried to be reasonable, uh, not to tax myself too hard or our musicians. I have a lot of confidence in our musicians in this church. I really do. I can, I can pretty much do what I want up here, and I have confidence that they can do it. Uh, so I try not to, to do anything that I couldn't do if I were in their position. So uh, we're going to sing a few songs tonight that may not be quite as familiar, but I think you will, you will enjoy them. Let's turn, first of all, to number 32. Number 32, and... We're going to look for your uh, testimonies as well tonight. John 3.16 shouldn't be too much of a problem because it's to the tune of Silent Night. So I think we we know Silent Night, the tune, and so we're just going to try to sing these words to it. We'll see how they fit. Uh, Sometimes they don't fit as well as as they could, but let's see how this goes. John 3.16, let's sing it together. John 3.16, John 3.16, for
while we're on that tune, let's turn to 21. 21, groping for light. That's to the tune of Silent Night as well. So let's try this one. Long dreary night, dark hopeless night, That's called the missionary song. And uh, we know the light of the world is Jesus. And that light has come. And it is up to us to share the light with others. All right. Anyone with a praise tonight? Now, you can pick another carol if you want. That's fine. You can choose something that we know, something that you like, something that's your favorite. Uh, you're welcome to do that as well. I'm just chosen a few that we don't sing very often. All right, anyone with a praise or song tonight? I'm thankful that that light shined into my life and made a difference. Thankful for a walk with him that satisfies the soul. Amen. Good. Thankful for the light of my Lord this evening, that he can walk with me and be with me, and it's just amazing as I look back over my life. Uh, the different times of darkness that I've had, but just to see his light piercing through, just to see in every situation how he was there, how he was present, and how he was working. I'm just thankful for his light shed abroad in my heart. I just want to continue to walk in the light as he is in the light. And I just want to be in him, uh, him and me, and I just want to live my life to please him. He's so good to me, so wonderful, and I just love him this evening. Amen. Good. All right, let's turn to number four. Christmas book. Hallelujah, Christ is born. Let's try it.
Amen. Five. five. All right. Let's sing five. Joy to the world. Joy to I think that song is one that I like to sing more times than just at Christmas. There's a lot of good in that song, and something that really comforts me, especially in the day in which we live, and that is, He rules the world with truth and grace. Uh, that makes me feel pretty good, even, even where we are tonight in our world, uh, that that's a comfort to me, that he is still ruling this universe, and I can trust in him. All right. Someone else tonight? 192 in the hymn book. All right. 192 in the hymn book. All right. Angels from the realms of glory.
you notice in this song, there are four groups of people that are mentioned, and uh, then they're all told to do the same thing, okay? First of all, you have the angels. Uh, they've, they've been kept busy down through the ages. Uh, they uh, were singing creation story, it says. Uh, they were there when Christ came to this earth. They were there when he died. And I believe they're going to have a big part in the end when, when we are uh, resurrected to that great city. And then you have the shepherds, all right? They were in the fields, and they were called to worship. And then you have the sages, you have the wise men that were called from afar, and I guess we could include maybe some of that even today. It says, sages, leave your contemplation. You know, we, we still seek the desire of the nations. And finally then, talks about us, saints. And we're all called to do the same thing, come and worship. That's what we're called to do. Amen. All right, anyone else tonight? Number 23 in the Christmas book. All right. God rest ye merry gentlemen. No. O come, O come, Emmanuel. All right. I'll get there yet. All right.
Good song. All right, anyone else for the praise tonight? All right, so we're in a singing mood. All right, well, let's sing 38 in our Christmas books. Now, I believe we've sung, there's three tunes to this <coughs> song. I believe we've sung two of them. I think we have two of them in our hymn book. Uh, 38 is one that we do not have in our hymn book. So there's actually three of these tunes to Away in a Manger. So let's try this one. I think you'll recognize it. We've sung it before. 38. with a praise tonight. Well, two of the songs that we sang had to do with joy. Joy to others, and joy that the angels sang, and joy that everyone sang. But I'm thinking of joy that we can have down in our heart when Jesus yeah. comes to us and saves us from sin, and then later sanctifies our heart and just kind of takes care of all those temptations if we are obedient. He will keep us. I praise him tonight. I'll never be able to praise him enough. But I love him with all my heart. He's answered so many prayers for us, and especially some special ones in the last couple of weeks. I am thankful, and I'm hoping to see him soon, and I'm looking forward to that, closer to heaven than I've ever been before. And so I'm ready to go, Lord, whenever you come. And I just praise him with all my heart. Amen. Good. Good. 
page 60. All right. Who is he in yonder stall? Why don't we all stand? All right, we all stand and change your position a little bit. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Beautiful song. All right, let's sing it together. Who is he in yonder stall at his feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in deep distress past the end of the wilderness? Is the Lord the wonder story? Is the Lord the King of glory? seated. Thank you for your participation in the testimony meeting tonight. Appreciate it. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Don't forget there's a basket on the back uh, desk there for the cheerful giving. Um, we would like to get that in this week. So if you want to bring your cards in, put them in that basket. And there's names out there still. There's some other sheets like this that have the names on for those that were uh, helping, which happens to be uh, our outreach uh, team, all those that have been involved at least for a year and uh, helping us on a regular basis downstairs. So we appreciate all those that are down there. I was down tonight before service, and the room is full up, and that's always encouraging. It's not packed, but it's a good crowd down there. I forget what they said, 20-some uh, uh, that are here, and we're thankful for that, plus the workers and helpers. So let's, let's keep that in mind and uh, uh, cheerful giving coming up. And then Christmas caroling, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. We want to pull out of here if we can, okay? We'd like to uh, go to some more local places uh, this year. In fact, uh, some right here in New Columbia. And then we would also like to go to some of the areas where we go in with our bus on Sunday night and uh, go to some of those communities, okay? So if you can help us out, we have one bus. We may have the second one. I'm not sure if it'll be ready uh, yet. It is in the shop, but we'll get an update on that probably tomorrow. But if we don't, then we'll need some vans. So uh, if you can help us out uh, with that, we would appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And a little update on the van. So, we're, you know, the church is looking for one. And we thought maybe this last week we was going to make a purchase. Uh, but uh, decided to hold off uh, a little bit. And we have several people out looking for us. And so uh, just continue to pray about that. Because actually, the prices are starting to come down. Isn't that nice? Everything else, price has gone up. My wife was telling me that a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese, I think she said, I forget how much she said, three boxes for $25. Maybe not quite that much, but it was up there. But I said, Sherry, I can remember when I was a lad when you got 10 boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese for $1. Anybody else remember that? And I wasn't born in the 1400s. But, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day, and everything keeps, just keeps going up and up and up, so... Um, but uh, actually, I was talking to a couple dealer friends, and they said the prices have eased a little bit, and they're starting to come be some more on the market. So I think that's, that's wonderful. Uh, rather than pay $18,000 for one van, I would rather pay $1,000 for 18 vans. <laughs> and then we'll sell the rest and do whatever. But, uh, but I'm glad about that. And, uh, so, uh, and before, when we couldn't hardly find any, now I have dealers calling and saying, hey, I got one coming in, I got one here, I got one there, you know. And so I just tell them we're still looking and you keep looking. So, um, but that's a little update on our, on our van. So then after Christmas caroling, um, you're all invited over to our place uh, for some refreshments and uh, time of fellowship together. Then December 17th, that's next Sunday evening. Sunday evening service will be at 6 o'clock instead of 6.30 okay, to accommodate our, our bus route. It'll be uh, relative to an hour-long service um, so that we, so we don't have to reschedule uh, all that with them. So 6 o'clock sharp, we want to start, and uh, a lot of our young, our young people from downstairs and their children from the community are involved in that, so keep that in mind. Then, if you're able to help us out with cookies that we plan to pass out in the community, uh, especially in those neighborhoods where we bring children into the church. We need about 50 dozen. If we have more than that, it's no problem because there's a lot of, there's a lot of places we can go beyond that. But we need about 50 dozen. There's a sign-up sheet uh, out there in the, um, in the vestibule area. 
on the wall. And if you can bring those in, actually, I, I believe uh, you can reach out to Jeff, and he has Friday off, so he can pick them up on Friday. He said from your house, or maybe you could take them to his house or get them to us, and we can get them to his house. Um, or he said you could bring them in Wednesday night. Uh, but that means the cookies would be three days old before they got them. So let's not do that if we can help it, okay? If we can help. If you don't have any other option, that's fine. You say, is there anything wrong with a three-day three day old cookie? Three days. So if you can help us out a little bit, uh, we'd like to take them in fresh. We'd like to put about a dozen or 14, 16 cookies on a plate and give them out to the families. If you are not able to come back, maybe to bring them back in on Friday or something, you give me a call or give Jeff a call, and we'll see that they, we get the cookies. So we need about 50 dozen. Everybody that can help us out, um, we would really appreciate that very, very much. So, All right. Um, well, the Lord answered a prayer. Uh, I believe some of you helped us pray about uh, this morning, and uh, I'm just very thankful for it. We mentioned it uh, this morning in our time together. And uh, before Brother Eric and I got out of the sanctuary uh, here uh, this morning, we were the last two to leave, I guess, but before we got out of here, uh, we got a text, and the Lord had answered a prayer. And so I'm just so thankful that God's on the throne. And that was something, and we just appreciate his help. Um, and then I would ask you to continue tonight uh, to remember Pat and her family in prayer. Um, so she's not well, and yesterday she... she had a rough day. So I just ask you to remember her and her family. I'm just so thankful to tell you that in her heart she has peace. And that makes all the difference. And uh, you know, as I talked to her yesterday, she just said, it's still there. And that's just thrilling uh, to me. And uh, she testified to her different ones of her family members, which are all unchurched. And it's just been, a, it's been, it's just been something. So, but I'd ask you to remember her. In prayer. Then we have some in our church that have been sick uh, with flu-y type things. We want to remember them in prayer. Others that have been uh, going through some, uh, some surgeries and complications and problems. Think about Anna tonight. Think about Janetta tonight that's here, Janetta that's here with us. And there's so many um, uh, others that have been facing things or are about to face things. And so I uh, just ask you to continue to remember uh, one another physically. That's about, that's kind of our in-house prayer request, okay? We have a lot of physical needs and people that are facing tests this week, upcoming surgeries, uncertainties. We think about Brother Bowser even with his situation. So that's kind of an in-house prayer request. Uh, but then another house prayer request would be this. Let's remember those affiliated with our church, our community, that have spiritual needs. Um, you know, what's happening in our world is certainly caused people, it's causing people to at least consider uh, life a little more seriously. Uh, what's happening in our world that uh, uh, seemingly it's not getting any better. Uh, so I think about uh, different opportunities that we have uh, around about us to be a light and to be a witness, and that's wonderful and good, and I encourage it, but also I want us to be praying. Uh, God will continue to deal with hearts and lives, even family members. So we gather on Saturday night and we pray uh, for unsaved people uh, around about our church family, different family members, your children, your families, your relatives, 
uh, ones that we're aware of and that we know about. We gather around, some gather here at church, 8.30, some gather at their homes at 8.30, and we appreciate that so much. But I just feel like uh, you can never pray. You can't have too much prayer. And so let's continue to remember uh, some of these situations, uh, family members, direct family members. And I'm happy to tell you that God's working. God's working and moving. And, uh, uh, but I know that when that happens, the devil starts to fight and throw things in the way. He wants to throw a little cog in the mix somewhere. And so we're just continuing to pray. So I ask you to remember um, that, that request tonight. And think about the year-end things coming up at the school and praying for Penview. And they came through this Christmas musical. They had another week here of school. And then I think about uh, the financial burdens um, at the school. And God's helped us thus far through all these many years, 50-plus years that God's helped our school. And, but there's always a challenge. It seems like there's always a challenge. And so uh, I, I think, you know, the other day we met briefly, the board met briefly uh, together. And, and I just think, you know, we don't want Brother Durkee to even feel like he's carrying this by himself. We don't want him to carry it by himself, but we don't even want him to feel like he's carrying this uh, by himself. I know there's a lot of year-end expenses at the school, and so I'm just asking you to help us to uh, pray about that. There's been, a, there's been a letter that's been sent out across the country from Brother Durkee, and just, we're just praying that God would uh, have his way. So I was talking to another board member from another one of our churches, and he said, you know, he said, we're just going to keep it before our people and have them help us pray too. And I said, okay, I'm going to do the same. So I just ask you to help pray for Penview and the finances um, there at the school. God would, would just supply every need. Amen. Do you have any outspoken requests on your hearts? Anything you want to share? If you can remember the newcomer family, which is my family, my cousin Diane just passed away, and the Lord has really been working on her brother Mark, and I've been in contact with him over the months, and if you could just keep him, maybe add him to your prayer list or something, because the Lord is definitely drawing him and talking to him, and I'm hoping at some point um, he'll have this opportunity. He's thinking about eternity, you know, and he knows, and he's been looking at the word, and I just pray that, you know, he'll come here at some point. So I've been, I've been working with him. So please remember that family in prayer. All right. Let's remember this family that's grieving, and also Mark, the Lord would work in his life. Yes, Ellie. Stephen. Stephen. Let's remember Ellie's boy Stephen in prayer. Lord, we need to remember Dr. Cooley's wife, Ruth, yes. Cooley, not doing well at all. Um, from what I understand from Amy Esther, they're calling in all the immediate family. She's just, she's not well. And I believe uh, Tabitha got a, an emergency flight out of South Africa, I believe, today. Um, so so she's, she's just not, she's not well. Okay. All right, let's remember Sister Tim Cooley in prayer. She's in Guy Singers. And uh, she uh, just remember them, asking the Lord to just touch, be with them, their family. And uh, God's able to touch her too. And uh, situations oftentimes that are so desperate to us, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how God always looks at things. I just don't know the answer to that. But I, knew that, I know that there are some times where I felt like uh, there's just no way but God. But that was the way. That was the way. And so I'm just, I just want us to remember her uh, in prayer tonight. Very serious need. Any others? 
Remember this request? Amen. Any others? I'm sure we have other burdens on our hearts that we care not to mention, but they're unspoken, and we take them to the Lord, and God knows about every one of them. And uh, let's do that. Let's pray much uh, uh, for one another. And then I think it'd be good for us also to uh, remember those that are involved, uh, not only tonight, preparing for next Sunday evening, but through the week, those are involved for next Sunday evening's program, and uh, we're trying to reach to get some parents to be able to come, uh, too, from, from that ministry. So let's remember that as well. All right. Then tonight, let's all kneel in prayer, and I'm going to ask Brother Lance Pardo to lead us, but let's join in and let's pray out together.
Ushers will come. Regular ties and offering. Brother Roy Hoffman, will you pray over the offering? Lord, we thank you for your many blessings beyond measure. Thank you for your goodness to us this day. Pray that you bless the gift given now tonight. Use it for the upload of your kingdom, and we'll give you thanks. <coughs> giving tonight. Thank you for the offertory. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, we have a special number in song. Um, Sister Sonia, she's coming to sing for us at this time. After which, Pastor Brennan is going to bring us the evening message. Let's just keep our hearts obedient to the Lord. Oh. 
Thank you for that this evening. Don't you love Christmas hymns? I like Christmas hymns. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the heritage we've been given in Christian music. That song that she just sang was written by Charles Wesley in 1744. That's an old song. We sang Away in a Manger. That was written by Martin Luther in the 1500s. We sang O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, written in the 1100s. Long time ago, 900 years ago. I'm thankful for the heritage of music. You know, it's been said by secular people, give me control of the music of a culture, and I can control the culture. I can influence the culture, tell what the culture is going to do, influence the decisions and the choices and the mindset of the culture by music. And I'm thankful, even though I would be considered musically illiterate and musically not extremely capable, I'm thankful for the music that has been given to us down throughout the years by our heritage, by those who are before us. But I'll tell you something that, that, that concerns me today. Who is producing the music should the Lord tarry 900 years from now that they're going to sing? It's a challenge. I think it's a challenge for our day. I'm thankful for Charles Wesley and the tons and tons of hymns that he wrote and, and, and different writers back throughout the centuries of our history. But folks, today, we have a, a challenge. You know, we talk about the music of this culture. If you've listened to it, it is, it's, it's not that great. It's terrible, actually. It's awful. But we have an opportunity to produce something good today. That Some of those songs, should the Lord tarry, 300, 400, 500 years from now, may still be sung and pointed back to, and they'll say, now that was a good old hymn of the church, produced today, but produced today with the mission to be, to be sung later on down throughout time. I don't know, that's something I've thought about a lot. That's something that's, that, 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 that I feel like in our day, we have an opportunity to produce, to produce uh, good music if you have the capability of producing good uh, music. Colossians tonight, Colossians and Philippians. I'll be turning in our Bibles, not Matthew chapter 5 tonight. Someone asked me before service, are we going to Matthew? I said no. I said we're going to do Christmas. Luke, John, Mark, nope to all of those. We're going to some of Paul's epistles. We're going to Colossians and Philippians. Stand with me this evening for the reading of God's Word, Colossians chapter 1. Beginning, these two passages of Scripture are beautiful passages of Scripture. Focus on them, listen to them uh, as we read these from Colossians and from Philippians. Colossians 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Turn back, maybe, maybe a page of my Bible, it's just a page, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear Jesus, we come to you tonight. We're thankful that these words that we've read about are about you, Christ. And we worship you tonight, God, for you are good and you are holy. Father, you're beyond our, our, our description. We, we ask that tonight that you would help us as we look at these passages of Scripture, Father, that you would just settle in among us. May the Holy Spirit have his right of way. Jesus, help us tonight and let it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. July 8th, 1839, the wealthiest man in American history was born. It could be imagined that such an event would be heralded with much fanfare and attention, perhaps newspaper articles and announcements going out across the nation. Perhaps being the wealthiest person in the world meant that he was born into a stately mansion on a sprawling estate. Perhaps he would be immediately attended by dozens of nursemaids and servants fawning over him and treating him with the most attentive care. However, none of this marked John's birth. Instead, he was born into a simple New York house, into a poor family. His father, William, was a con artist. His mother, Eliza, was a young Baptist woman who had chosen the alluring adventure of marrying the dashing William Rockefeller against the warnings and sound advice of her wealthy father. Now being alienated from her well-to-do family, she lived in humble dwellings, surrounded geographically by her crude in-laws. Her husband was a notorious figure in the region. He would leave her and the children travel throughout the countryside, selling elixirs under the guise of being a, quote, botanic physician. Not only did Big Bill, as he was called, con the people of the towns and villages he traversed, but he conned his own wife, being involved in multiple affairs and even at one point secretly marrying another woman and keeping that secret from each woman until his death. For most of John's growing up life, his father was absent. His father would return at times, sometimes with money to give to his family, but William, John's father, was mostly absent from the family life. And indeed, when John was about 16, his father completely abandoned the family. His father's absence left a lot of responsibility of taking care of the family on John's shoulders. He became mature at a young age, and he was the old, as he was the oldest son in the family. His family had... Ha was very poor and, and owed a lot of their survival to the thrifty nature of Eliza, John's mother. This is certainly not the beginnings we would imagine when we think of the beginnings of America's wealthiest man. 
Yet this is the very start of John D. Rockefeller. At age 16, Rockefeller went to work as an assistant bookkeeper for a produce firm in Cleveland, Ohio. He started at, converted into today's money, $1,150 a month. Four years later, in 1859, Rockefeller went into a joint business with two other partners. They were extremely successful as the Civil War raged and the government purchased large amounts of supplies to feed and supply the army. However, as the war waned, Rockefeller turned his eyes onto another market that seemed promising, oil. During the Civil War, the price of oil rose by 3,800%, from 35 cents a barrel to $13.75 a barrel. Drilling for oil was out of the question for Rockefeller. There were many, many, many people drilling for oil. However, only few of them, many went bust, only few actually struck oil and, may, and became extremely wealthy. Instead, Rockefeller focused on the refining process, what was needed to turn that oil into kerosene to light the, the, the lights of the cities of America. And so Rockefeller launched the Standard Oil Company of Ohio and built a literal oil empire. At its peak, Rockefeller controlled 90% of the oil in the United States. Imagine that today. Throughout the age of kerosene lighting and then with the beginning of the age of the automobile, oil was in high demand. Rockefeller made under-the-table deals with other major companies, forced many competitors out of business. He's often remembered as a greedy businessman who steamrolled over anyone in his path as he fought for oil dominance. And regardless of one's perspective of this highly controversial American figure, it is widely accepted that Rockefeller is the wealthiest person in American history. Rockefeller's fortune was roughly equivalent to 2% of the national economy, a feat that no other billionaire, such as Bill Gates or Elon Musk, has ever achieved. This is quite a turn of events for someone who was born into such a poor family with such a rough home life. Yet Rockefeller worked extremely hard and embodied the terminology from rags to riches. You know, our American history is full of individuals who were born with nothing, yet throughout their life they amass large amounts of wealth. Whether because of supposed fortune or, or devious business practices or just a hard work ethic and a good business mind, our nation historically has provided the opportunity for many to climb the ladder of wealth. Our culture, for the most part, applauds such achievements, and, and many try to emulate these individuals. Young entrepreneurs read the autobiographies of these successful billionaires. They, they study the tactics, the strategies. What did it take for this person to become so successful? Let me study it. Let me try to copy it. Let me try to pursue after what that person did so that I can become like them. All around us, our people are doing their best to emulate those who have worked their way up the ladder. Yet, friends, our greatest hero climbed down the ladder. And rather than going from rags to riches, he went from riches to rags. 
And this Christmas season, we celebrate the one who left the splendor of heaven to enter our world and give his life for us. You know, our minds are, they're incapable of grasping the awesomeness of Christ in heaven. You know, scriptures say, I have not seen nor ear hath heard what is prepared for those who love him. Imagine, just, just try to imagine what it is like for Christ in heaven. Christ in heaven before he came to earth. The son of God, the, the second member of the Trinity. He reigns with power and authority and dominion in heaven above. He is above all, over all, holy, completely separate and other and pure beyond our, our understanding. He is the creator of the worlds. As, as John 1, 1 through 3 states, in the beginning was the world. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. You know, growing up, I pictured God the Father as the, as the one who created the world, formed, formed the sun, moon, and stars, and, and created the animals. Yet Scripture makes it clear that Christ was involved in the formation of the world. Our passage of scripture that we read this evening says that he is the image of the invisible God. Christ is one with the Father, the second member of the Trinity. He is equal with God. He is God. He possesses the attributes of God. He is omnipresent everywhere. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He is God. He's the firstborn of every creature. Not that Christ was created and therefore a part of creation. No, no, Christ has the inheritance of the firstborn. He is the privilege of the firstborn, the benefits of the firstborn. And not just being the firstborn of a wealthy businessman in America or a ruler over mighty nations. No, the firstborn of God Almighty, the, the, the ruler of the universe. He is the creator of all things in heaven or earth, whether they are big or small. The mighty nations of the world, the vast empires, the, the political empires of the world, the intellectual thought empires of the world. As we're talking about Rockefeller, the, the economic empires of the world. God is, or Jesus is greater and mightier and more powerful than all of them. Not only did Christ create all things, but everything was created for him. It is the arrogance and pride of man that says that this world is here for me, that this creation is here for me. No, according to Scripture, first and above all else, this world, this creation, we ourselves were created and given to Christ. We're for Christ. He is the one to be lifted up. He is the one to be praised. In heaven, the angels surround the throne of Christ. They cry with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The world is held together by Christ. The scriptures say by him all things consist. He is the sustainer of the world. This world still exists, not from a deistic perspective, not that God created the world and is separate from it, but Jesus is sustaining this world. This world still exists because Jesus lets it and makes it be so. Without him, we would not 
exist. And friends, this is the Christ that came from heaven. This is the Christ that was born in the manger. This is the Christ who descended from heaven above to the lowliest of births here on earth, headed with a mission to the cross. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ephesians 1.22 says that God has put all things under his, under Christ's feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Hebrews 1 says, Hath in these days, speaking of God, spoken unto us by his Son, who is Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high." Our minds are finite. They're limited in our understanding of trying to grasp how great, how, how, how infinite, how holy, how wonderful, how awesome. Not awesome like this world or, or like I casually use the word awesome, but awesome in its fullness sense, awe-filling, how awesome Christ truly is in heaven above. He is the God of heaven. He dwells there in perfect praise, in a place with no sin, no evil, no treachery. He dwells in the very present presence of the Father and Spirit. <coughs> Yet Christ left heaven above to be born the lowliest of men. He is the creator of the world, yet he left heaven for us. He is the image of the invisible God, yet he left heaven for us. He is the firstborn of God, entitled to all the privilege, inheritance that is associated with such, yet he left heaven for us. He is the sustainer of the world, yet he left heaven for us. What a lowly act. What an act of condescension. What an act of coming down. What an, what, what, a, what, what an amazing thought that Christ would do that for us. Philippians 2 says, Christ was in the form of God and equal with God, but took on human form with no reputation and in the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3.16, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I know we're familiar with this fact, and too often familiarity breeds apathy. But friends, Christ became flesh. No longer in the splendor of heaven, but in a smelly feeding trough. No longer displaying his divine omnipotence, but appearing as a helpless babe. No longer surrounded by thousands of angels singing his praises but surrounded by animals 
doing what animals do. And as he grew, he faced the harsh realities of the sin-cursed world. He was mocked, abused, disbelieved, rejected, abandoned. Pain, agony, hardship, misery, all that accompanies, accompanies this world accompanied Christ. Christ remained sinless, yet he was surrounded by sin. And Christ left the perfection of heaven to face the suffering of this world. Then Christ faced the ultimate suffering, his death upon the cross and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, even the most despicable, lowest, torturous way to die in that culture, the way that was of the most reproached, the most abhorred way of death, Christ took that upon himself for us. Now, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, when we celebrate Christmas, this is what we are celebrating, the humiliation of Christ. The incarnation is the humiliation of Christ. We don't, we don't celebrate that he was humiliated, but we celebrate that he willingly condescended himself from heaven above to earth so that we might be free. It's so used in our circles, it's become a cliche, yet it is so true. Christmas truly is all about Christ. It's about what he did. It's about a God who is willing to give up heaven to come to us so that we might come to him. It's the greatest story ever told. Christ condescended to earth to be born as a baby. And because of his subsequent death and resurrection, we now have the hope of eternal life. This is the message of Christmas. It's a message to be pondered and, and think about. It's a message to be heralded, talked about. And it's a message that demands a response. You know, it's not enough to acknowledge that Christ became flesh, that Christ left heaven to be born in a manger. No, friends, we must do something with this greatest of truths. And what will you do with this? What can you do to respond to this act of love? First, if you have not or do not trust in Christ to be your personal Savior, you can this Christmas. Friend, that is the mission. That, that, that is the mission of Christmas to be born in flesh so that he could die on the cross, so that he could represent mankind and take upon the puni our punishment upon him. You know, Christ didn't come to establish morality upon the earth, to introduce a new form of religion. No, Christ came to reconcile sinful men and women to himself. 
The truth is, and you know it as well as I do, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is just. He cannot excuse your sin. If he excused your sin, he would not be a just God. What just judge would simply excuse a horrible act that someone has committed? No just judge can do that. And Christ, our judge, could not do that either and remain just. So, rather than, rather than excusing, which was not an option... Christ, the just judge himself, condescended to earth, born in human form with a mission to die on the cross at Calvary. That death was a sacrifice that could pay the penalty for every sin you had committed. And then Christ rose from the dead. He rose from the grave, conquering sin and conquering death. Friends, his resurrection assures us that there is power to go from spiritual death unto spiritual life. And friends, his resurrection means there's freedom from the chains of sin. Romans 10 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 1 John 1 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, Christ's message, the message of Christmas, Christ's message is very simple. You can do nothing to earn your salvation. You've blown it with the sinful choices you've made. But friends, what Christ did on the cross is enough is sufficient to pay for your sins. You can't pay the penalty. You've blown it and messed it up. But Christ on the cross paid the penalty that was enough to satisfy the justice of God on our behalf. And friends, he says, if you will believe Place your faith in Christ. Trust that Christ is sufficient, that his death is enough to pay for my sins, not just, not just in a hypothetical situation, but my sins, the sins I committed. His death is enough. Then you will be saved. Christ left the splendor of heaven to come to earth to offer you that gift. You don't earn the gift. Christ paid the price already for the gift. And now Christ offers that gift to you. And trust me, friend, if you place your faith in Christ and he forgives you of your sins, you will be a changed person. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The devil wants you to believe that you have to fix up your life to come to Christ. But Jesus says, the Bible says, come to Christ and let him fix up your life. Place your trust in him. Come in him in humility saying, God, I'm insufficient. God, I've tried and I failed and I can't do it. 
And Christ says, I am enough if you'll believe me, if you'll put your faith in me. I am enough. And friend, he'll change you. He'll make you a new creature. Old things will be passed away. That life of sin, that life of, uh, of living for, for yourself from the devil is gone. God has made you a new creature. And that is only achieved through his power. Friends, this is the message of Christmas. This is why we celebrate Christ humbling himself. Friends, he's given us new life. This evening, if you are saved, you're walking in a right relationship with Christ. Friend, then you have the opportunity to worship and praise Christ for what he's done. This that we're talking, that I speak of tonight, you, you can testify to because it's a reality. You know Christ is sufficient in your life. He has done it in your life, and he's made it a reality. And so when we think of his condescending, we, we, we want to worship him. We want to praise him. Christ gives us that opportunity to praise him personally, just you and him, in prayer where no one can hear, just between you and God, giving him praise for what he's done. Christ gives you the opportunity to praise him publicly, to testify of his goodness to other Christians. And Christ gives you the opportunity to praise him publicly to the world, to let the lost people around you know that Christ has made a change in your life. So this Christmas season, take the opportunity to worship God for what he has done. Don't get lost in the busyness. It's a busy season. Friends, you know that. It's busy this season. But I want to remind you tonight of the awesomeness of what Christ has done, the awesomeness of Christmas, Christ leaving heaven for us. In our response to him, give him your life and give him your praise. He left heaven, the place of perfection, to come to a sinful earth. He did that willingly so that you and I might be saved. What a wonderful message of Christmas. What a wonderful message of Christmas. Praise him for what he has done. I'd like us to close this service by singing a song out of the out of the Christmas book. Ask if Brother Adrian and Crystal will help us. Song number 31 and the Christmas book. They're coming and preparing to lead us in that. I invite you with me to stand with me this evening. This, this, this song says, From God's heaven to a manger. From great riches to the poor came the holy son of God, a little child. From the azure halls of heaven to a lowly manger stall, Jesus came and here he gave his life for all. It's amazing, friends, what Christ has done for us. As we sing this song tonight, I invite you to worship. Worship that Christ who came on our behalf. Friend, if you don't know Christ tonight, friend, you can. I invite you as we sing tonight to, to, to come to this altar and pray. We'd love to pray with you. It's not, a, it's not a scary place. It's not a place of judgment. It's a place where you meet 
Christ. And we want to join with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you because Christ wants to make a difference in your life. From God's heaven to the manger, from great riches to are bowed, eyes are closed this evening. I just want to pause for just a moment this evening. Friends, Christ has provided the way for you. Christ offers the way for you. And I know tonight, I believe tonight, that Christ is here speaking maybe to some hearts this evening. And so while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to give you just one more opportunity to seek him, invite you to the altar, to pray, to ask Christ into your life, to find that new, that newness of life that he offers tonight, to know the saints are praying. 
Friend, this is is Christ reaching out to you in love. This is what he's done for you. And now he offers you, he beckons you, he calls you and says, come, come unto me. Father, tonight we thank you for your love. Jesus, tonight we praise you for what you've done. We celebrate this Christmas season. We celebrate you. I ask tonight, Lord, there are hearts here tonight aren't right with Christ, don't know that saving experience, Lord, to be a reality that you would speak to them. Lord, maybe even now beckon unto them to come to you to find you, dear Jesus. Lord, you can totally change their life. You want to totally change their life. Father, we ask that your spirit would go with us, Lord, drawing us closer to you. We ask that we would live pleasing to you. We ask that you would help us to, to worship you this Christmas, to lift your name on high for you're worthy. Let us, let us Lord, Lord, rejoice in what you've done, praise you for what you've done, glorify you for what you've done. You are a good God, and we love you tonight. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you are dismissed.